Radio Community News. That's episode 30. I'm Mick Handy. Well, later in the programme, we'll be talking with Elizabeth Watson, the church historian, and Jean Monaghan, the director of the choir at St Andrew's Church in Western Row. They are hosting an event for Culture Night on the 23rd of September. But first, I'm delighted to welcome Joan Redmond from the Martin Academy School of Irish Dancing, who have just started enrolling for new classes here at Ringside Irishtown Community Centre. Joan, you're very welcome to the pa- podcast. Thanks, Mick. How are you? Good, good. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the enrolling later on, but I suppose, yeah. first of all, uh, and I know that you were in with us before, um, can you just go back over again, your own, how you started up in Irish dancing and so, what it meant to you? I was a bit of a latecomer coming to dancing. Um, I was about nine when I started. I started in school with my old dance teacher who I remained with for up until I was 22 but um, yeah so she she looked like she kept saying to me that I had potential to go further with it and stuff like that so that's how I really got into it she pushed me to go to classes and stuff and in the end yes yeah, that till I was 22 and I've won numerous championships um, all England's everything with, with her and then I continued then after I finished competing I continued then teaching my whore under her, like, you know what I mean? Who was that? What was her name? So her name was Javan McDonald and the Dawson McDonald School. Yeah. And that was out in Sally Noggin. I used to go out there to uh, Sally Noggin and Ballybrack as well. She had two classes. I used to do two classes a week. So, yeah, so that's how it all started. So when I was teaching my whore, helping her out with her class and stuff, I just decided then, later on in life, I came into it later on then about teaching myself because I didn't think I'd have any interest and teaching kids, but yeah, it all turned around then. You decided, decided to, to do it myself. To go out on your own. Yeah, hard, but it was good. And initially, where, where were you teaching? So I was teaching out there with, with Joanne out in Ballybrack and as I said, Sally Noggin then for a while. And then I actually went down to Carlo then with another teacher who um, something happened. She was pregnant at the time and she had a really bad uh, accident with her back and couldn't teach her class for a while. So I went down and helped her out. And I was, ended up with her for five years. And uh, again, school started doing amazing, started doing really well, doing, the kids started doing brilliant. And then I was just like, I'm doing it for everyone else, why don't I do it for myself? So starting off on your own, then, uh, as I suppose you started off as the Martin Academy. So yeah, so my set, my, both my mum and dad are from Rings End originally, and I live in East Wall myself. So I said, I'd love to start to something up in the community that I was involved with as a kid myself. And uh, back to my heritage in the sense of, obviously, my granny's name was uh, Mrs. Morton. And she loved the fact that I danced. Loved the fact that I danced. And um, so that's why I picked the name Morton. Because there was another Redmond in um, in the Dancing uh, Federation that were with CLRG. And um, I decided to take my nanny's name. She's uh, she's from uh, South Lots. So oh, very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the Morton came out of the Morton Academy. Ah, lovely, lovely. And what, how long have you been doing that now, teaching? So on your I'm own? now teaching five years in Ringsend in here in the community centre. Yeah. And um, started off brilliant, got a good few kids interested, kept a good few. Like anything, the kids come and go, you know, you know, they find their other interests and what they like and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I've built it up from there, you know, good few kids coming now and. Hopefully try and get a few more coming in now after COVID and stuff. It hit really hard. With yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of activities and that. A lot of the kids lost interest. So with that, I'm handing out loads of flyers, trying to get as much, you know, notice for people to, for people to, know to come in and that, up, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that COVID was really tough. Oh my God, I lost so many kids with it. Yeah. Yeah. So many kids. And I, I understand completely. You can only do so much on Zoom with them and stuff like that. 
and you could see they were very disheartened and yeah a lot of them lost interest and just were like no i don't want to go back to it and a lot of good ones too you know a lot of good good ones i lost Terrible altogether, but you're hoping, as you say, to build it up, yeah, build like it up again. We started back there on Tuesday. Yeah. Our first cast was on Tuesday there, and we had a good few, and I got a boy in, Gabriella, his name is, and he is the next Michael Flatley. He was brilliant. Um, so I'm hoping to get a few more boys into the class and stuff, because like, um, it is great for them too, and it's great for the kids to interact with one another, and, you know, as well as the social aspect, as well as learning how to absolutely, dance and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And it's very important for them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The social part is social really, part, 100%. Really, really, really important. You I know? just wonder what, what age group and what range, as, as you mentioned, male to female, if you, you want a few more boys in. But, yeah, I'd love but a few more boys. What, what age group? So we normally start from about four upwards, but if there's a late, you know, three-year-old that's later, going to be four later on in the year, that's fine. I don't mind taking them, you know that way. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them love it and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But it's the concentration level. You want to keep them making sure that they, they're happy and they're not just sitting on a chair watching everything. You have to keep them, you know, interested in it and stuff, you know, and just making sure that they're enjoying it as well, you know. Absolutely. And what's the upper age? Anything. Anything. Up to senior level, you can come up to, yeah. And what does senior entail? Is that adults or? So adults, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So just say competitive wise, like senior ladies or senior gents can be anything from over 23. Yeah. Anything. Like I've seen 50 year olds dance at competitions. At competitions yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking about competitions, you know, it, it, it's tough. Um, Irish dancing I did myself years ago I have to say <laughs> it's um, one of the toughest things yeah. to do um, it's you know it's it's very competitive schools can be very competitive you know that way yeah I try like I do give the I give both sides to it if you're interested in doing the, the competitive side absolutely I will put whatever I need to put into you and they need to give it back too you know what I mean because Again, practice, practice, perfect, and everything. Yeah, oh, it yeah. does, and but it is very, very tough, very tough. But it's very rewarding in the end. You know what I mean? Um, like I've only got the few now that do compete, but the few that I have are doing great at the moment. Brilliant, really, really brilliant good. stuff. Yeah. So I'm trying to get them back into it now to get keep, just keep the ball rolling with them. You know. I suppose the other side too. It's it's, it's if you did want to compete as such in in the big competitions that exercise wise, exercise it, yeah. the fun of it. Yeah. You know, like that. Now, coming up to Christmas, we'll probably put on a little show for their parents and stuff and then end the year. And like with the community centre here, what they do is obviously the May Day Parade. It's always something great for the kids to be involved in. Yeah, That's one thing I tried to push. We didn't get any last year because loads of them had different things on. So there was very few that we could put in. So hopefully this year I'm going to try and push them now. Something to look forward to, to, comp- to take part in. Absolutely. And yeah. also as well, I was telling the kids on Tuesday, we're trying to look into doing a, um, a competition away like uh, going abroad somewhere to do it. Ah, oh, lovely, so again, yeah. They get, a, they get a trip. Yeah, you know abroad, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Keep them interested in um, something fun to do as well and something for the parents as well. To and do you showcase to. maybe them here in the centre and that too? Or, yeah, like yeah. if someone asks us to do something, yeah, yeah. I'm happily obliged, you know, once I got the kids to do it and the parents were fine, you know, that way. Um, but um, yeah, absolutely, of course, yeah. Like we've done, we've done a few things in the church and stuff like that as well, you know, for certain um, things that have gone on, so... That's good. Like, I, I'd like the kids to do a few bits more, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's hard though in one way. I work as well. I work outside of the dancing too. So yeah. it's time-wise as well, you know, to get to get the, me to get be able to do it or if not getting a parent to bring the kids along. And, as and well, yeah, to, yeah. Know, 
showcasing that, you know? Yeah. I suppose Ireland has changed, Joan, over the last you know, 15, 20 years anyway, certainly over the last 10, we're very much more multicultural now. So multicultural. Is, is there many from new new communities dancing? And what, you know, how do they come ac- a, a, around unbelievable. to doing it's Irish like, dancing? Yeah. When you're watching competition-wise, the different nationalities is unbelievable. Like for in Ireland, yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Not like worldwide competitions. Worldwide competitions is phenomenal everybody because yeah, yeah you you could name a country and i could tell you yes i seen so and so dance for them in that country or whatever it's unbelievable even as far as mexico i've seen people dancing irish dancing but um cultural wise here every different nationality you could think of is involved and culturally like um i, I got a few there on tuesday different backgrounds different parents obviously coming from different countries and stuff i'm not sure exactly where they're from but i you'd know obviously that they are and so into it so so into it you know great great to see yeah. Re- yeah, re- re- really absolutely going to thing with with it but uh just to, to come back to um the classes now yeah. and uh as you said last week you started off classes so people can enroll oh they can still enroll as long yeah, as they want yeah, you know what i mean yeah. if they come come across a kid later on down the road like in a few weeks time that doesn't want to do something but they'd like to do something else they're more than welcome to come up to the class, absolutely. So when are the classes on? So cl- classes are on a Tuesday from 5 to 6.30. So beginners will be just for the hour, so 5 to 6. And I keep the girls then, obviously, then are with us that bit longer than to do the hour and a half class because they be competing and stuff. They need the longer time, you know. Grant. And the bigger the, girls help out and stuff like that as well. What's the fee? So it's €8 euro per class. Yeah. Um, and if they decide they do have to enrol, it's €10 euro to enrol in for the class and then they each class as they come. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And tell me, the, just uh, again, the, the old ways was we had the, the jig, the reel yeah. and the horn pipe. Has, has it changed or is there new yeah. dances or slip jig and all That's that? That's right. Is there new is there new classes or, or new yes, dances? there is. So they have obviously progressed over the years. So they add, there's a thing called a set dance and it's a championship dance. So what you do is you do two rounds in a championship and if you qualify after your two rounds, which could be as what you just said, a reel or a jig or a reel or a slip jig. Or yeah, a home yeah. Home. You dance either one of them and then when you get, if you get through to qualify for the championship, it's called a recall. Then you get to do this thing called a set dance and there's so many set dances to learn. But these ones, when you get to that level, these set dances are very hard. Very, very hard. So they're a great opportunity for people to come and roll and oh you never god. know, the world could be a oyster. Oh my god, yeah. As you mentioned, yeah. Michael Flatley, the oh, next Michael, Michael Flatley. Michael Flatley, Michael Flatley <laughs> came into me on Tuesday. Did he? 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 No, I'm joking. He, he saw <laughs> the new Michael the Flatley, yeah, 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 yeah. He was brilliant. Uh, I, it got, uh, I actually got very excited because I was like, oh my god. And he picked it up so quick. But um, another another thing I'm going to say as well is because of Irish dance and the whole background of everything, the music as well. A lot of people forget about the Irish music and stuff like that. There's so much of that behind it too. Like yeah, and um, a lot of dancers end up becoming musicians from it because their mu- musicality after it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it ends up being amazing. You know, from listening to your timing and your your beats and you know you're having to come in at whatever time and that. They end up getting involved then in, in different things and yeah. end up going off and playing barons or, you know, um, anything, to be honest. You know, keyboards, everything. Any of the musicians that would be at a competition would have competed as well. As, as dancers you know, as, as well dancers. too, so yeah. There's loads of different aspects. Shows as well they can go into after, you know. Yeah. If that's their aspiration they'd like to do, you know. There's always something now where there wasn't years ago, if you think about it. You went to a competition and that was it. You got your medal. 
Yeah. But now yeah. there's stuff that you could actually thrive to do. Like you could end up being in Riverdance, Lord of the Dance, That's different true, shows yeah. and yeah. hotels yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Plenty, plenty, plenty for them. Yeah. For, for, for people who want to, who are listening here now and maybe want to enrol, have you a contact number? Yes, yeah, so yeah. my contact number is 086-609-7687. And the Morton Academy is on Facebook as the Morton Academy and on Instagram as well. Brilliant, brilliant. We uh, wish you the best of luck with it Thanks all, John. Uh, hopefully get all these new hopefully I'll get fa- faces in. Yeah. And as you said, you have the mo- next Michael Flatley already. Yeah, so he's in the class. Hopefully I keep him. <laughs> Plenty more. Thanks for coming in and telling us all about that today. No problem. Thanks, Mick. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. Okay, joining me today uh, to talk about Culture Night, an event that's going to take place on the 23rd of September, are Liz Watson, the church historian uh, at St. Andrew's down in Western Row, and also Jean Monaghan, uh, the director of the choir at St. Andrew's as well. You're uh, very welcome uh, to the podcast, uh, both of you. Culture Night, it's been going a a long, long time as we were just discussing there and uh, it's fabulous that it continues to go on and uh, down in St Andrews you have a a series of uh, events taking place that night but Liz, first of all, as the church historian tell us a little bit about St Andrews and uh, like it's a little bit down the road from us here in in Ringsend, Irish Town but not too far away It is and it'd be a church well known I think in both communities of Ringsend and Irish Town and down in Pier Street City Key area because I'm, I'm much broader because uh, being so close to National Maternity Hospital uh, back in the day a lot of people would have been brought straight from the Maternity Hospital to Western Rome baptised and then brought home wherever that might be so we get a lot of visitors down there who come from all over Ireland and all over the different communities and in our own communities people might remember a lady called Lena who used to do that she used to take couple of babies four in a shawl down at a time to Western Road to be baptised there and um, what we call the O'Connell font which is um, supposedly um, the wine cooler of Daniel O'Connell converted into um, the, the baptismal <laughs> font so we kind of see that's uh, a new way of um, raising a toast to the baby's head but anyway so we, we've lots of lovely t- we've a fantastic absolutely fantastic the church the church the foundation was laid in uh, 1832 foundation stone and it was the, the first Catholic church to be built on a main thoroughfare because uh, it was just right after um, I suppose the liberation of Catholics from the penal laws um, which were really strict and at some time, at times very horrific for Catholics in Ireland where um, they were just, they couldn't own a uh, a house made of stone they couldn't own a horse over five pounds uh, so they couldn't advance they weren't allowed education um, and they were and at, at times even priests were persecuted they were on the run we have in um, St Andrews um, a, a tiny little chalice from those times where the priest would have hid it on his person um, and at great risk was like because if he was caught he would have been executed um, so all those times were part of the, the church that we now know on Western Row um, and the liberation that came, the emancipation of Catholics um, through through the likes of Daniel O'Connell. So, and it was O'Connell who was instrumental
monumental in St Andrew's Church being built in Western Row. It was formerly down in Townsend Street um, and people might remember the old City Key School there beside the Longstone pub. Both of them are gone now but um, that's where the original St Andrew's Church of 1815 would have been and it was the back of Eli House there. It was kind of a makeshift chapel then developed into a stone chapel as um, the uh, as as the laws relaxed a bit and um, from there there was a big discussion and a lot of um, scandal because um, at the time there was a lot of people were still very poor and there was a lot of mm. trying to raise the funds to build a new church and they were deciding whether they'd extend the church in, in Townsend Street or whether they'd move to Western Row to some to a more prominent position you know given the, the emancipation and uh, unfortunately the parish priest ran off all the money so um, that, that didn't help matters. Bit of a scandal it was, yeah, it, it yeah, was yeah. a big scandal and it, it's if anybody's interested it's all over the Freeman's Journal um, of the time if, and you'll find that in Pierce Street Library if anybody <laughs> is interested in that particular scandal but it was a big scandal at the time and that priest disappeared and O'Connell stepped in and he said uh, too long have we Catholics lived in the dark come let us build our church into in Western Row and come out into the light and he was basically saying you know it's t- it, we've been freed from these laws and it's now time to you know embrace our faith and I suppose at the time the Catholic faith was very wobbly um, because so many people had converted to other to Protestantism and um, they'd also um, you know moved away there was no churches so it wasn't really places to to uh, like a community place a parish place for people to gather around so you know this is why I think the likes of O'Connell really wanted somewhere very prominent um, like not even the Brocatees was built on a main thoroughfare when you think about it where Western Row was and I suppose Western Row at the time was such a highly fashionable area you'd Leinster House Duke of Leinster and you'd also uh, Marion Square and um, Fitzwilliam Square and you'd anybody who was anybody in high society and I guess we get a little bit that down in the church because we have um, vaults in the church and in the vaults we have the remains of uh, Dr Corrigan for example who was one of the most prominent doctors in Ireland and and founded College of Surgeons um, so we, we have those kind of links um, with uh, that would be national as well as lo- local uh, links too. So um, the church itself uh, uh, has a long history. There's this, this, the St. Andrews we know, Westerow, comes from, um, we, we can record back to 1170. And it was um, in quite near the parish of All Hollows, which we now know is as Trinity College. So the priory there of All Hollows. Um, and that area was uh, the parish of All Hollows. And next to it sat the parish of um, Western Row. And it, it moved a lot because of the, the, the penal laws and, and what mm, came yeah. later. But it, and it moved down towards the Keys then. And also it, it was located beside what I love was the old thing mo which is when the Vikings came and they built their big Tingmont which was a big mound of land where they had their Viking meetings on that um, the, the great the good of the Vikings would have met up on the Tingmont and, um, and St Andrews was located right beside that 
that was dismantled and then used to raise Nassau Street, which is why you see the height from Trinity College. If you're in Trinity at the cricket end, yeah. you'll see that there's a big height up to Nassau Street. That height is the remains of the thing monked that was put there so because uh, he didn't know what else to do with the soil interesting yeah so yeah, um, yeah. We, we had a bit uh, there so uh, it moved them down towards the keys where i mentioned down to to townsend street and actually joyce always joyce in his ulysses names it as um the church of all hollows because um we would have the western row when it moved to western row was known initially as the church of all hollows because it was located beside the priory of all hollows which is trinity college but what we didn't know for a while there is that when when the church moved when west when saint andrews moved to townsend street and re-emerged in townsend street it subsumed the parish of all hollows within it and then when it moved to western row it, it also then subsumed the parishes of St. Mark, um, St. Anne, St. Peter and and then St. Andrew as well. And that's represented when you go into St. Andrew's Church in Western Road, over the altar there's a huge big decorated ceiling and you'll find four moulds around that ceiling. One is St. Anne, St. Mark, St. Peter and St. Andrew. They're represented there. Um, on that ceiling and those moulds are from the very famous sculptor John Hogan so um, the church when it was when it was being built and I suppose as I said like O'Connell was, was the force behind, behind it, it yeah. and it was a showcase church and it has always been that so like we've always had um, the best of the best put into it par excellence um, and you know like the likes of Hogan and Smith um, you know very famous Irish c- contributions um, in it and I suppose one of the things we have that continues that is we have um, the statue of Our Lady of Sorrows in our mortuary chapel and it was um, carved by the hands of Willie Pierce because um, the Pierce brothers both went to the CBS school St. Christian Brothers School next door That's right, yeah, so yeah. there's a quite a, a close link with the emergence of the church um, over that period certain uh, orders were invited back into the area so uh, the Mercy Sisters would have been there would have been Catherine McCauley was invited to come into the area by the diocese and set up during that time of 1842 and um, the Christian Brothers would have been invited as well to come in and set up and all of that kind of they were trying to I suppose build mm-hmm. of a, a parish of how they were to meet the needs of their parishioners at the time and uh, all of these orders were then invited in so I suppose that's kind of a, a bit about the, the, the history of the it history, yeah, the yeah. background of where it's coming from yeah and I suppose we're, we're into newer times now yeah. uh, certainly and we've kind of got a city as well that's extremely diverse and uh, uh, especially over the last maybe 10 or 15 uh, years ago as well so you, you've got new communities yes. coming into the in, in, yeah. into the area yeah too. It's, it's wonderful because we because we have such a big church and like the capacity of it is great it's a church where events happen as well so mm. that might not be located necessarily located in so you know there's been some some big funerals there's also been um at, like very tragic funerals like the firemen that that would have died on Pierce Street I know a lot of locals would know that they 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 would have that funeral would have been in Western Row mm. um but in more recent times you're right yes we have so 
as as Dublin is and Ireland is is becoming more multicultural, so too is the diocese, and we've had the introduction of the Chinese community, um, and uh, they come they meet every second Sunday, um, and they're based in in Western Row as well, and we also have Lithuanian community, and um, uh, they they come in now. Both both of those would have um a designated priest to to pastor to them, um, and we have our own parish priest, which is technically not a parish priest because we have a met what's called a mensal parish. So, um, the archbishop is our parish priest, and we have a parish administrator, um. So. And we have we have the other we've two other priests as well looking after the, the community self uh, of the Lithuanians and Chinese as well. So it's definitely getting more and more diverse. Absolutely, and as you mentioned too, Liz, the the fact that it's it's not all about kind of religious ceremonies either. Yeah. Uh, there's events taking place, and we're here to talk too about culture night and bringing in Eugene Jean Monaghan, uh, director of the the choir there, Jane. Um. You're going to be responsible, I think, uh, for this event or these events taking place uh, with with your own choir and choirs, I believe, from Lithuania and China as well, Chinese as well. Yes. Uh, so what we're doing is, uh, thanks to Elizabeth here, uh, our heritage girl, um, we're going to have from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. something every half hour. And um, we start off with... Um, a pop-up pop talk and music in our nuptial chapel and in our mortuary chapel. Elizabeth will look after the mortuary chapel and some of my choir will be singing. So we have uh, Simon Heaps, Rose, Hogan and Gillian Pepper. They will look after the mortuary chapel and they'll evoke in the music the thoughts and the feelings of, of what it was like to be, you know, buried from there. You, you, your coffin was there overnight and it happened to all of us, the locals, because I'm a local. Cause mm. My name is Jean Brazel and I, I married Pius Monaghan back in the day. It's a long time ago now. But I'm always Jean Brazel to quite a lot of people. Mm. Um, and the fact that like my mother and father lay in that mortuary chapel, the feelings that you get, even now, like you just get very emotional about it. And the same with the nuptial chapel. I'm going to have some photos of my mum and dad's wedding. Because back in 1955, when they got married, they came in the back of the church, not the front. There wasn't this, the, you know, it, maybe some people did do it, come up the aisle. But my mum and dad came in the back, through the corridor, which would lead to our rehearsal room. You know, back mm -hmm. in the day, we don't rehearse there anymore now because of COVID. Um, but then they went into this tiny little nuptial chapel. And that opened in the 1940s and had been the baptismal uh, uh, font or little chapel before that. And what we want to do is we want to show people that this is what it was like in the day, but also what it's like now. A lot of a lot of brides and grooms get married in that nuptial chapel even today. Mm. And it's tiny and it's just the most beautiful. And why why the back why the back end you of the church or you know? I'm not quite sure because even Elizabeth just didn't know why that happened like that. Um there could have been something going on in the front that year. Yeah. I, I'm not sure who else would have been, and I should have tried to check that actually before I 
talk to you with anybody else like my mum and dad coming in the back yeah. but the best thing that I have is I've actual photos of it so I know it to be true do you know yeah. the primary evidence and I think from the 1940s the Vatican had come out with the idea that there should be specific chapels for specific um, sacraments oh, yeah, so yeah. that um, the main altar really should really be reserved for mass yeah, yeah, and yeah. so um, you know the, the nuptial chat which was the baptistry so you a lot of people would have been baptised prior to four, nine, 1940s there um, uh, that was moved to the side of the altar and um, and the main altar then was used for mass but also I suppose we have to remember it was the old way the old mass too and yes, so we mass. had the Latin mass with the priests with the back to the congregation so it was just it was a different style that all changed in the 1960s and um so you know it was, it was just a, di- a different way of doing it but i think there's some things that people really pull from those older uh, traditions the intimacy of a smaller chapel mm. you know people like that idea or the simplicity like back in the day people went for you know, wedding breakfast and you know all all of those things that we we don't we you know we don't do now. And some yeah. people want that that the, the, yeah, as you say, it's history. Yeah. It's back it back is. part yeah. of it and that. Yeah, but, it is. So th- this is where the, the the events are taking place anyway in these small yeah. intimate places exactly. within the church. Yeah. yeah, that's why Elizabeth came up with that idea that they're like pop up talks. With yeah, music yeah. And in the nuptial chapel, our deacon Dermot will he will talk about it and I have George Smith and Margaret Griffin who will sing so you'll hear music from back then but you'll also hear a little bit more modern stuff as well which will be great Um, and then we're going to have like the Green Ore Choir they're going to be singing um, at six o'clock and they're a lovely community group um, of old age pensioners <laughs> I'm nearly there myself say nothing um, and uh, they've a gorgeous choir under the direction of Chris Kelly he's a lovely young man he's, he's brilliant and um, so they'll sing at six o'clock and then half past six we'll have the mortuary and the nuptial chapel again and at seven we'll have our Chinese community and they will sing then and the Lithuanian community now it's not set in stone but I I'm nearly sure that they're actually going to do some poetry readings. Oh, interesting. It'll be yeah. like totally mm. different. I'm very keen to hear that, mm. you mm. know. Um, at seven then, we'll have the mortuary and the nuptial chapels. And then, um, sorry, seven was the Chinese choir and the Lithuanian. 7.30 is the mortuary and the nuptial. And then at 8 p.m. we have our very own Catherine Smith. And she's an international soprano, Catherine. And she... She started off, like me, as a convent of mercy girl, because believe it or not, I was in Townsend Street School, which was on the site of the old church. That's where all the Brazzles, we all went to school there. All the girls, like, and um, the Horans, all, all my friends who are all in the choir right now, which is amazing. Carol McCabe, a shout out to her. Um, so the... The rest of the time, when you left sixth class, you went to Bagot Street School and we had the most amazing music teacher, Colette Murphy, and she changed everything in that school. We had a fabulous choir. We won loads of competitions. We performed the first 
rendition of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with a school from, now it's either Dundalk or Drogheda, it's so long ago, I can't remember, but they acted it and we sang it. So all of these things, like the Bagatry is still part of Westland Road community. Yeah. Um, and so Kate, Katie Smith, as I call her, Katie is going to sing at eight o'clock and she's going to do some of our favourite pieces just for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then, of course, she'll come back in and join the choir. She comes when she can because she's very busy. And the choir will finish off the whole evening at 8.30. And we're going to sing some fabulous Latin not all that, and we have English as well pieces. Just six pieces, it takes about 15 minutes. Um, but it will include our very own organist, Joseph Seymour, who was part of Westland Row community in the 1870s into the 1880s for about 10 years. And he was a Cork-born composer and organist. And he was part of the Sicilian movement in Ireland. And this was a group that took Look, they looked back at the sacred music, as they called it, mm. back to plain chant. And so he he arranged um, from the plain chant a famous piece that's always sung on Easter Sunday morning. It's called the Victime Pascali. And we sing that. We actually sing it, obviously, on Saturday night now because the Vigil Mass is the big mass to say the Lord has risen. And we love that piece of music. And it's been sung since the 1880s when it was composed. Now, he, as I say, he, he edited it and adapted it and rearranged it for a four-part choir. So we're very lucky to have that. And that will be our opening piece in honour of him. And, um, and then we have like lovely Ave Maria by Jacob Archidelton. We love the 16th century. The music from there would have been played like with a spinet. And for some reason in Westland Row, because the organ is this fantastic French-Irish organ, it lends itself to what we call, it's, it's called a romantic organ, and it lends itself to that music of that period of history. So I've got two pieces from there. I've got the Ave Maria, Jacob Arcadelt, and uh, then I've, and he's Franco. Uh, Franco, what is he? Hold on a second. Arcadelt, you are Franco... I can't remember the other words in this terrible now. No, no only a Flemish. Flemish. Yeah, very good. You know, the French old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all kind of mixed up there. Um, the other piece is Richard Ferrant. And Richard Ferrant was in the, the uh, reign of Henry VIII. So you've got that Tudor element with, with his piece, O Sarclum Convivium. Um, and we've got a lovely modern piece, which is called the Canon in D, and arranged by an American guy called Hal Hobson, but from the canon that Pachelbel wrote way back in the 17th century. So all these, you know, modern people are looking back, modern composers, looking back again at the old pieces and adapting them and rearranging them and adding the, the words. So it's kind of, it's lovely. And our final piece will be a spiritual piece because our culture night is called Spiritual Spaces. And we've chosen the mortuary, the nuptial, and the choir loft, which is a, an amazing mm. spiritual space. Um, and we're going to finish with Elizabeth's, one of Elizabeth's favourites. It's the Kumbaya. Now, we sing it at Christmas, Lord in manger lies Kumbaya. But for this 
culture night we will sing someone's crying lord someone's praying lord and it starts so soft and it builds and until you're singing the third verse which is hallelujah lord and it's an amazing piece of music to finish with to bring it all back together and um, our deacon dermot was saying to me that uh, westland row as a whole is a spiritual space apart from it being a church but it was meant it was built as one spiritual space where everybody would come together after all of the hardship for the years before um uh, 1829 the catholic emancipation bill so i'm so looking forward to culture night myself and um, because like we put a lot into it, the choir, and the, and since COVID, you know, we've had some of our members aren't able to come back. They're, they're still not well enough. But I have a group of 17 of us, which is amazing. And they've really worked so hard. I want to say thanks to each and every one of them for the great um, dedication to Westland Row. And so there's our lovely organ. It's there since 1871. The casing and the main pipes and everything put together by a Dublin organ builder, John White. But John White had done a lot of work in Paris, in France, with like the best, the most famous organ pipe builder ever, Aristide Cavier Col. And we have over 600 pipes from France in that organ. Mm. And we're the only yeah. church in our Ireland with that yeah. amount. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few churches that have some of his pipes, but the, the pipe work is amazing. So one of these days, I'm going to have to hit on some of those big companies like Google and Facebook and all the rest of them in this area and ask them for a million or maybe one and a half million by now. To restore this <laughs> Make it too. It's even going. We have a very good Irish guy, Trevor, um, who comes in. And our organist, by the way, is uh, Dr. Carol O'Connor. And she's only a young one. Like, she is amazing. She is so good. She's such a great accompanist. You know, the feeling that she has for the music and for her choir. That doesn't always happen. You can have a fabulous organist and they haven't got that raw that they can actually enhance the choir singing, you know. So it's very important. So look, our culture night is open to everyone. I was telling my son about it. His pals are going to come in. He's not, he'd like to see his, his nanny and granddad's photo over at the um, at the nuptial chapel. But it's going to be a wonderful evening of heritage, poetry, music, diversity so we have it all in Westland Row you know are we lucky or what especially to have Elizabeth Liz as your colonel as our heritage girl because she's fabulous as you could hear she knows so much and it's a joy to listen to her and that's from all of us you know so we're, we're very passionate about our, our church and yeah. parish and you probably wouldn't tell but, <laughs> uh, but I, I suppose thanks Jean as well for the and Jean is terrific is so committed Jean um, there was only a, a male choir up until the 70s now I'm sorry Jean I hope I'm not giving away ages here <laughs> but um, you know in the 70s it opened and the, the, the women came on 
board and um, sadly then um, Brendan Kelly who was the choir's director passed away and Jean took up the mantle so she's the first female director of the choir in Western Row ever and is still there holding us all together through things like Covid and pandemics so you know she's she's brilliant and very, and very committed and everybody is very committed one of the things I think we, we didn't say is like the majority of the people that are involved are locals they all come from the local yeah, community yeah. have come through the local schools and people would you know if, if we were naming names people know oh yeah I know them or I know their brother or their mother or whoever the other thing is I suppose on Culture Night we designed it so that each of the, the pieces that are going on are around 15 to no more than 20 minutes so that people can come, come and, and have go. a dip yeah, in yeah. and um, you know we, we wanted to use the side spaces as well as the main space and to give a sense of intimacy because it can be lost in, in the, the big the beard, yeah. space so we will be live um, in the main space from 6 o'clock from 6 to 9 um, we, you will find us um, through the webcam the church webcam so if anybody can't come or doesn't feel okay to come you can tune in and um, you'll hear the Green Ore Choir you'll hear the Chinese Choir you'll hear the Lithuanian Poetry um, you'll hear Catherine Smith and you'll hear um, our roundup of the, the church choir which as is well. a four yeah, choir yeah. as well so you'll hear all of that we are hoping to maybe do something with the side corridors we don't have sound in those to go live um, through our church webcam but uh, we were hope we build each year. We build, you know, we're doing we're we're doing culture night a good while now, and we're, we're kind of trying to build and build and build um on what people would like. It's light, um, you know, it's it's light. It's entertaining. We're not go. We're not. Uh, we're hoping it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're trying to yeah. keep it light, and you know, like for example, in the Mortuary Chapel, I will be I suppose talking about some of the the cultural um ideas and cultural responses to grief and death uh, but I'm not I, I won't be I won't be going too heavy I'm not going too heavy into yeah, anything yeah. like that you know and I suppose I'd be talking a little bit about remembrance how we remember and um, I'd be just pointing out a few things in the mortuary chapel you know that might be of interest you know historically um, for people and I mean the main reason to build the mortuary chapel was there was too much fun times happening at wakes um, and um, the basically they were so concerned the Catholic Church that uh, what was there was uh, immoral behaviour at, at wakes that they decided to build mortuary chapels and try and put some control on what was happening and we've now gone away from that again which I think is interesting that we've we've moved away from I think most people now um, are not reposing in the mortuary chapels anymore They're, we've kind of gone back to if we can people reposing at home or feeling homes and, mm. and all other kinds of ways of of rituals um but it'll be short and it'll be fun and it'll you know as fun as we can make those topics mm. and and it's and all free as well and everything all free. is free yeah yeah and in in the main spaces in between the choir singing we have what we call hospitality ambassadors so we have uh, a few locals who would know 
enough about the history to point out some of the you know if anybody wants to come in and ask you know even if they're not interested in any of these welcome come in walk around talk to our ambassador our big thing is to welcome you to our church we have a fabulous church we have a fabulous heritage we want to share it with everyone it's all free and we're a big believer in that you know that it's it's there to be shared in in what way we can and um we're, we'd just be delighted uh, for anyone to come along and enjoy themselves on the night or, or tune in it'd be great brilliant um elizabeth and jane thanks a lot for for coming in uh, to tell us all about culture night uh, we wish you the best of luck with it and hope you have a great great night and as you say uh, hopefully there's a, a big big crowd yeah. uh, come down uh, from all parts of dublin yeah for it lovely thank you thanks so much thank you that's all for the community news desk this week many thanks to elizabeth watson and jean monan from st andrews george and to Joan Rebent from Morton Academy School of Irish Dancing for coming to us this week. As ever, my thanks to Dylan Clayton on sound and editing. For me, McCandy, have a great week. We'll talk with you next week.